The Truth and Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth and Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. Well, thank you for joining us today on Truth and Love Radio. Pastor Sharam Hadian, back with you. It's a pleasure to have you, and uh, thank you for your support and for helping to hopefully get the word out about these shows. Folks, uh, share this information with friends and family, with your church um, family as well, your pastors maybe. Uh, folks, this is critical information. Uh, these shows are meant to bring a, a worldview to speak the truth and love about all issues that are going on, particularly on the issue of Islam. I just came back from an amazing conference uh, in Houston, Texas at uh, Schaefer Theological Seminary at West Houston uh, Bible Church. And uh, my good friend, Dr. Andy Woods, who's the president of uh, Schaefer Theological Seminary. It was a blessing. What a blessing to be able to be there, uh, to be able to, to... They gave me uh, eight out of 13 sessions to teach on Islam uh, to dozens of Christian pastors, seminary students, Christians around the country. Many joined online through live streaming. Um, what a blessing, Lord, uh, folks. I have a, The Lord gave me an opportunity that I haven't had really before to really equip the body of Christ. So we'll be in the days coming up. Uh, we'll be making some links available. If you have not signed up for our email newsletter, uh, the TIL newsletter that we send out electronically about once a month, please go to our website. If you're already on the website at tillproject.com, T-I-L-project.com, and there's a place on the corner there where you can actually sign up for the newsletter. Uh, send us your email. We can add you to the newsletter, uh, and and you can get um, our updates. And, and in there, we send radio shows, TV shows, um, where I'm going to be speaking, new DVDs that come out, new materials that come out, and so forth and so on. So um, we look forward to um, sharing this information. Uh, we need your help to get it out. This is a word-of-mouth ministry. This is a word-of-mouth uh, radio, and we really need your help to um, – to help us to get these messages to the body of Christ and equip them. Now, I want to jump into our program. Uh, we are in part five of a message called Christians Have Bought Into the Fraud of Refugee Resettlement. And this is, a uh, uh, again, I believe a critical message for bringing really factual information to the church. And I want to speak today about national security concerns of the sort of unvetted, unchecked refugee resettlement program that I mentioned to you on the last program, the last show, uh, was started back in 1980. The Refugee Resettlement Act signed into law by Jimmy Carter, sponsored by uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. Um, this was this was the plan of the left. This, this was a – now, they had Republican support, but this was a plan of the left. This was a plan of the progressive Democrats to be able to infuse refugees into this nation who then one day will become what? predominantly Democrat voters. This is the same plan that we see with open borders, with the call for sanctuary, for amnesty, to bring illegals into the country, because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about voters. It's about power, and it's about voters. It is not about helping the poor DACA kids. It is that, That's a front. Come on, we got to be smarter than that. That's a front for what we're seeing. So I want to get into some of the aspects of the national security threats. We have had routinely over the last number of years, particularly since 2012 with the Syrian quote-unquote crisis and civil war. We have had numerous law enforcement agencies 
testify before Congress to the media that there is a broken system here. Why? Well, if you remember on the last program, I mentioned to you that it is the United States, I'm sorry, the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugee Resettlement who picks the refugees. 95% of the refugees are picked by them. They're then brought in by the State Department and they're um, contracting with these nine agencies. They place them into these communities, uh, close to 200 communities around the country, most of them, by the way, in very conservative, red states, red areas, uh, Republican areas, again, to change the demographics, to change, to seed, you know, the sow, the, sow the seeds and the change from within. This is the type of language that is used by the, the pro-refugee advocates. And as such... Um, it is not the FBI that vets them. It is Homeland Security that is tasked with vetting these refugees. Now, Homeland Security, we've had testimony from FBI, from Homeland Security, from National Counterterrorism, who have said, look, when it comes to certain countries that we're bringing refugees in, there is no data collection process. There, It does not mean there's not a vetting process. There is a vetting process, and it's a two-year process for most refugees which includes biometrics, interviews, supposed to have a medical screening, uh, on and on. The problem is data collection, meaning if Syria is in turmoil and in the midst of a civil war, who do you call in Syria to get the information? How do we know the people who are claiming in the refugee camps when they're picked by the UN, how do we know they're actually Syrians? Do, do, do they all have passports? Do they all have birth certificates? The answer is no. Do they all have fingerprints? The answer is no. According to a source that I have in Homeland, in Europe, and now in North America, we're beginning to see at least about a third of those coming in as refugees who have no fingerprints. Literally, they've been either acid-washed or burnt off, scraped off. They have no fingerprints that we can figure out who they are. They have no biometric data in Syria, meaning we can't go to biometrics and say, send us a picture, send us images. Um, so what does their vetting entail? Usually one to two interviews that they have and the state department along with these nine refugee agencies actually primes them actually coach them to be able to pass the interviews why remember for every refugee that comes in those nine major agencies are getting at least twenty two hundred dollars of our tax dollars to go for them their pocket not to the refugees the refugees aren't getting that money there's other money that goes to the refugees in the way of federal, state, and local uh, funds that, remember I said on the last program, part four, there is no representation, taxation without representation, because Congress, even though they pass a budget funding the refugee resettlement, they have no oversight. Most state governors, state legislators, county commissioners, city council members don't have oversight. So they're plopped into you know your community without your knowledge. You can't go to your elected officials in most cases and find out who, what, where, how, how many, how much money, how's it cost, what about health concerns, on and on and on. Again, there are financial concerns, national security concerns. There are health concerns. We are seeing things like tuberculosis come back into the United States when it was pre predominantly eradicated because of refugees coming in who – are not going through proper screening. We are seeing, obviously, uh, uh, counterterrorism threats, ISIS coming in, uh, Al-Shabaab coming in. 
uh, Al Qaeda coming in, just like in Europe. So let's let's look at some of the information. Uh, former disgraced FBI director James Comey, remember him? He testified before Congress. Even he testified before Congress back in 2015. Quote, we can query our database until the cows come home, but there will be nothing showing up because we have no record of them. Specifically, he was referring to refugees who are coming from Syria. Okay? So we can query our database until the cows come home, but there will be nothing showing because there's no record. There's no data collection. What about Somalia? What about Iraq? What about Sudan? Pakistan to some extent. What about these countries? What about Iran? You think the Iranian government is going to tell the United States that, oh, by the way, we may be sending some spies into the U.S. among refugees, which, is, which has happened, which, which we know for a fact that has happened? So, uh, you know, again, am I saying every refugee from Iran is a spy? Of course not. Am I saying every refugee from Syria is an ISIS uh, fighter? Of course not. But there are those that are mixed within. So you think the Iranian government, the mullahs in Iran, are going to tell us if they're if they're infiltrating our refugee resettlement program to bring in uh, Hezbollah operatives into the United States? I doubt it, right? If anybody, excuse me, believes that, I have some lakefront, waterfront, oceanfront property to sell you in the state of Arizona. Folks, we've got to be wiser than that. So he testified, there's nothing there. Somalia is in the midst of a civil war, chaos. Sudan, midst of a civil war, chaos. Nigeria, midst of a civil war, chaos. You have Congo, these places in Africa that are in the midst of, of, of civil wars, of breakdown. Third world nations that have different standards of living and we're, we're mass importing them into our communities with no plan of assimilation. Phil Haney. Who's Phil Haney? He is a Department of Homeland Security whistleblower. Remember, as I said a couple of minutes ago, it is not the FBI that vets them. It is Homeland Security that vets them. The FBI has to clean up the mess when they do bad things here. So here's what Phil Haney said. Phil Haney, by the way, was pushed out, forced out of the State Department, out of the uh, Homeland Security by the State Department and the um, Office of Civil Rights of Homeland Security because he was investigating the Islamic movement, particularly the Diobandi movement. He believed he had evidence to uh, that would have stopped the San Bernardino attacks. Remember um, Farouk um, and Tashfin Malik, um, the, the, the husband and wife, she came in on a K-1 um, visa for a, you know, a, uh, not a spouse, but a, a engagement, you know, when you get engaged. Um, and, and a fiancé, thank you, I'm trying to remember, a fiancé visa. And, and, and then we found out subsequently that she lied on her, on her application three different times, wasn't caught. She came in and then killed 14 people in San Bernardino, people that uh, they worked with who were supposed to be their colleagues, who were nice to them. Sick. Uh, so, folks, here's what Phil Haney said after he was forced out. He testified before Congress, and here's part of what he said. He wrote an open letter. Here's part of what he said. Based on what I have seen in the Department of Homeland Security, I no longer have confidence this administration, speaking of the Obama administration, can adequately vet or screen refugees or immigrants from Islamic countries. Okay? There you go. 
These are people that were experts. These are people that were charged with vetting, and they're telling you they can't vet. Even, even the Office of Refugee Resettlement under Obama was saying that over 90% of the Syrians coming in have incomplete information on their applications. Their names, they don't have their names. A lot of times, no birthdays. A lot of times you'll see, and I've talked to uh, people in INS, Immigration Natural Services, uh, who, who tell me, who are, again, part of the vetting process of these refugees. They'll say, look, they're coming in. They don't have a name or a birthday, so they get a generic last name, and a lot of times you'll see 0101 on their application because they don't know their birthday or there's no information to verify their birthday. So the federal government simply gives them an 0101 birthday. They make up their birthdays. And these are people that are living in our countries, and unlike Europe, by the way, when the refugees have to come in and remain in refugee centers for a period of time before they go before judges, before they get approved for asylum or permanent residency, here they're brought in as refugees. They're not citizens. They're not uh, legal aliens. They don't have a green card. They're just brought in, and they're dumped into our communities, and they can take off and go anywhere else. This is suicide. And, 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 and Christians, so-called Christians, these, these, these emergent churches and all the liberal bleeding churches and the social gospel churches, they are supporting it. They're all in for it. It's a sham. It's a sham. Let me give you some examples because one of the things that we constantly hear and we heard it from the declaration on evangelical response to the, to the crisis, the refugee crisis that was put forth at Wheaton College back in 2015 when a group of 100 Christian leaders get together uh, and, and sign a document, uh, World Relief, World Vision, Ed Stetzer, uh, you know, Tim Keller, Hybels, these guys, they sign a document saying that we believe it's our duty to take these refugees in, love, not hate, on and on and on. And they say in that document, look, it's not our responsibility to deal with security. It's the government's responsibility. Remember, that was under Obama when he was bringing he wanted to bring in 110,000 refugees, brought in. Uh, 12,500 Syrian refugees in 2016. Record. 200. They were interviewing 200 a day, a day to get to their quota. So they said, look, in their declaration, we, we, it's not our responsibility to worry about security. We're supposed to take care of the hurting. Government's supposed to take care of security. Okay. Okay. I'll buy that. Not really, because I think I think that you're a coward as a pastor if you're not worried about the security of your church. I think I think you're a pacifist as a as a, as a so-called Christian leader if you're not worried about the security of your community, your family, the flock that God has entrusted. Do you not worry if somebody would want to co- come and harm your flock? Isn't that a dereliction of duty as a shepherd to guard the sheep? So I don't buy that argument, but even if I did, okay. So then along comes President Trump. We have a new president who's now concerned about the the vetting, who's now actually want to do something about the vetting. They want to put a travel temporary travel ban against the vetting. And what do these same people do? They take out an ad against President Trump and Vice President Prince, calling them out, saying that they're that they're 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 not uh, uh, fulfilling our Christian duty as a nation. All of a sudden, we're a Christian nation. All of a sudden, according to these Christians who have been teaching post-Christianism and post-modernism and, 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 and socialism and, and, and a progressive Christianity, uh, all of a sudden, 
We're now a Christian nation. It's our duty to take in these refugees. And they lambaste President Trump and, and, and say that it is unloving and unchristlike to vet from seven nations, by the way, that Obama had as well listed. But now because it's Trump, it's different. Because all, Christ- all these so-called Christians or Christian leaders hate Donald Trump. It's a fraud, farce. And, and guys, look, I'm sorry. This gets me heated. This gets me heated because when I see a fraud being perpetrated on the people of God, I, I believe we should be righteously indignant. And they're doing it for money. Remember, they signed a contract with the State Department. They won't proselyze. These major agencies won't proselyze because of money. They took money to not share the gospel. Yet they claim to be Christian agencies like World Relief. That is disgusting. It is sickening. It is evil. It is cowardly. They should be ashamed of themselves. They should be exposed. They should have their their they should be caught with their pants down around their ankles because they are pulling the 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 what's that expression? The fleece. They're fleecing. Yeah, they're fleecing Christians, the church. They're fleecing. So let me give you some examples because their argument is look, remember, it's not our problem to have deal with security. Government will take care of it. So President Trump steps up and says, okay, we're going to take care of security. Now, all of a sudden, these organizers say, no, 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 hold on now, hold on now. You can't do that, President Trump. It's not loving. Wait a second. A a year and a half earlier, you said government takes care of security. We take care of the hurting. We're not even going to think about the security issue. Even though people like myself and others have raised over and over and over again with these Christian leaders the security issue. Not our problem. But now Trump gets in. Oh, it is our problem. Shouldn't do it, President Trump, Vice President Pence. It's not loving. You hypocrites. That's what you are. You're, they're hypocrites. Because it, doesn't, because it suits them. Under Obama, they were acting one way. Now under Trump, they're acting a different way. And here's what they won't tell you. How many refugees have been arrested? When President Trump issued the first travel ban, a judge in Seattle who ruled against him, asked, asked the Justice Department, how many refugees have killed people in America? And the Justice Department spokesman, who was unprepared, said, we don't know. Because they had just come in, literally just come in and taken over. And as we know, the Justice Department is still a swamp, as is the State Department. By the way, I think it's a good thing that President Trump fired Rex Tillerson and has brought in Pompeo as the new head of the State Department. We'll see how that goes. But please pray, as, as I've asked you on this program, for H.R. McMaster to be let go. He's got to be fired. He's got to be exposed for the, for the, for the betrayer, the traitor, the Obama uh, uh, um, sympathizer and Islamic sympathizer that he is. <clears throat> so this judge rules against the State Department or against the Justice Department and President Trump for claiming, he claims, that none, none have, have, have killed. Well, that has now changed. But let me give you an example. Here, here's some of the examples of refugee arrests just in the last few years. We have Uzbeki, Fazladin Kurbana, Boise, Idaho, came in as a refugee, claimed to be a Christian. Later, we found that he was lying. He's really a Muslim. Plotted to blow up uh, a military base and a mall in Idaho. Uh, he's now uh, off in prison. Thank, thank God for some good work by the FBI. Two Sudanese and one Iraqi boy 
rape, gang rape, a five-year-old disabled little girl, girl in Twin Falls, Idaho. Nothing happens to them. The media buried it. The local officials buried it. Local police department buried it. One of the one of the worst and most disgusting, depraved stories in American history that I've ever heard of because I was involved with that. We knew the family uh, of, of this little girl. Outrageous what, what didn't happen. Uh, how about this? Somali. The Somalis are going nuts. Dahir Adan. Remember the St. Cloud, Minnesota stabbing. He went on a stabbing spree in St. Cloud, Minnesota. He was a Somali refugee. Somali refugee, Abdul Razak Ali Artan. Remember the Ohio State uh, stabber. He ran people over with his car, got out, stabbed people. He was a Somali refugee. How about Somali refugee Liban Mohammed, charged with sexually assaulting a, I think, a 31-year-old disabled woman in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Aberdeen is a meatpacking uh, uh, town, uh, cheap labor. They're bringing these refugees in. Just like, by the way, just like Twin Falls, Idaho. Twin Falls, Idaho is the headquarters of Chobani Yogurt. Personally, I will never eat and buy and support Chobani Yogurt. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm saying that's what I uh, will never do. Uh, I don't support it. He's a billionaire Turkish uh, Muslim who has is getting government subsidies, government tax dollars to bring in these refugees, cheap labor, uh, hurting the local economy, in my opinion, of those communities. How about this one? Because now he, he, here's the argument. Up, on this, up until this point, all these refugees hadn't killed anybody yet. That was the argument. And by the way, uh, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions threw, threw, threw us a bone when he finally got into position where, he, where they revealed that of the thousand current FBI cases for terrorism in the United States, 300 were involving refugees. So close to one-third of the current terrorism cases by the FBI are involving refugees. But you know what? According to these refugee agencies that are Christian— and to the Christian supporters in the Evangelical Immigration Roundtable, who cares? It's not our responsibility to worry about security. That's why I say dereliction of duty. They're not shepherds. They're frauds in the pulpits. Get out of the pulpits. You don't have the guts. You don't have the backbone. You're a fraud to be in the pulpit. But here's that whole uh, scenario changed. You remember a guy named... Say Fulo Sayapov from Uzbekistan. Who is he? Patterson, New Jersey. What happened in Patterson, New Jersey? Remember the guy with the Home Depot truck that ran over people and killed eight people in New Jersey, who, by the way, some of those people were visiting from Argentina, weren't even American citizens. Oh, by the way, he was an Uzbeki refugee, and he killed eight people. So now they can't make the argument anymore. Oh, well, no one's died. So we know many have been arrested for, for for plotting terrorism, over 300 or at least 300 are under, are under investigation. We, we know many Somalis have been arrested trying to go and fight for ISIS or recruit for ISIS, uh, either here or overseas, support ISIS or Al-Shabaab. And now we have refugees trying to ki- actually killing Americans. This is why we have to know what's going on. And this is not the end of it, folks. I'm going to put some links in our notes page. Let me, let me give you some other examples, okay? Other examples. My friend Leo Holman, remember we've covered Leo before? 
Go to his website, leohoman.com, leohoman.com. He's got numerous articles about um, uh, refugees. Here's one. Uh, Somali migrant attacks, tries to rape student after hiding in woman's restroom. Assad Abu Muhammad, an East African migrant, was charged with sexual assault. Where was this? You may ask. This assault happened in, let's see, let's see, let's see, Minneapolis. Oh, look at that. Minneapolis, Minnesota, near the Mall of America. Oh, I'm going to be speaking there on April the 8th, Sunday night, April 8th with Brandon House. Brandon and I are going to be speaking there. Should be fun. Should be exciting for us to go into the lion's den of the Somali Muslim community, the largest Somali Muslim population in America. Okay? Leo also wrote an article, 25 Reasons to End Somali Refugee Resettlement Now. He goes through and 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 and, and brings about all of these cases um, that are dealing with with or uh, cases of refugees, uh, Somali refugees who um, uh, have committed crimes. Mall of America jihadist uh, Mahad Abdi Aziz uh, Abdi Rahman. He went on a stabbing spree in the Mall of America, stabbed uh, someone, uh, I think it was 14 times. Again, Leo breaks down all of these cases. Um, he, he talked about Kadar Hassan of St. Cloud, uh, secondary assault for allegedly slapping a woman he'd had a previous relationship with and was ordered to stay away from. There are now an estimated 75,000 to 100,000 Somalis living in Minnesota, the largest population, as I said. Folks, I can go on and on. I'll, I'll put a few links to this. And remember what is going on in Europe. We'll cover that on the next show. Angela Merkel admitting that there are no-go zones. We have now Germany, the migrant rape crisis still sowing terror and destruction on German women, German children. I'm going to cover that story on the next show. Folks, the, the facts are the facts. And the problem with so many of these Christian leaders is that they don't either care about the facts or it's a dereliction of duty because they go, oh, it's just our job is just to, to deal with the hurting. For, forget Forget the, the, the security concerns. Forget the, the, the concerns and the damage to our communities that God's called us to shepherd and to, and to bring the gospel into. Didn't the Great Commission say go and make disciples of the nations? Did it say ruin those nations? Did it say bring filth into those nations? Did it say bring people who are incompatible with those nations? Did it say that? No, it didn't say that. Did it say bring people in who are vetted? Would, would you do that in your house would you do that in, with your family? Would you bring people over and let them stay in your house who you had no idea who they were and, and who, who government, the police are warning you, could be criminals, could be rapists, could be murderers, could be terrorists, could be jihadists? You and I would say that is suicide, that is insanity. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing, and we're doing it under the guise of Christian love, Christian charity, and it's a fraud. Folks, stay tuned. We're going to do more shows on this. I, I want to hit this from so many different angles that you can use these shows to shut down anybody that is giving you this false narrative about Islam and about refugee resettlement. God help us. God protect us. May we repent. Remember, this is part of judgment. Foreigners and foreign gods coming among, among you when God removes his hand of protection. This is judgment upon this nation. Repent, America. Turn back to God. Bless America again. 
That's I'm sorry. Bless God again. Not not God bless America. America bless God and repent and turn to Him. That's our only hope. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ for this nation, and the only hope of these refugees coming in. By the way, if if we don't evangelize them and share the gospel, they have an agenda. The majority of them, they're simply fulfilling their their mission, their calling. God help us. Be with us next time on the program. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing these with friends and family. Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.